Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. Even high-achieving advisors need a game plan. In this case, a marketing plan. And who better to offer guidance than Brad Swinehart's guest this episode, Natalie Grassi. Natalie specializes in marketing plans for top performers, but she also has coached on presentation skills, and best seminar and converting practices. So Brad, this sounds like one episode every successful advisor needs to listen to. And if I was more excited about a single guest this year than anybody else, and I know we've had some awesome guests on the show, but I am so excited to talk to Natalie today. Natalie, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. I'm excited too, Brad. Happy to be here with you today. And in full transparency, everybody, I have worked with Natalie in the past, and she is an absolute rock star. So I've seen her work ethic firsthand and the the coaching, the advice, the expertise that she has in the industry and helping advisors convert, really impact their business has always been exemplary. So I'm excited to have her on here. And, And Natalie, you've worked with some of the top advisors in the country, and they all come from different backgrounds, different business structures, different you know key organizations. But what is something that all of these top advisors have in common? What's something that stands out that, yep, each one of them has done this? Yeah, well, I have been really fortunate to have the opportunity to work with some of the top advisors in my time at White Club. And I'd say these advisors really have things figured out. So as much as I have had the opportunity to impact their businesses, they've also taught me a ton. Yeah, and I'd say, you know, in addition to being reliable, trustworthy, really having their best the best interests of their clients in mind, a few things really stand out to me about these top advisors. First, the most successful advisors I've worked with, they really understand the importance of activity. They know that activity produces results. And so they're always focusing on keeping their marketing funnel full. Over the years, they've really learned that the worst type of activity is no activity at all. So they're highly focused on constant activity to keep that funnel full. Uh, second, Brad, I would say that they have a long-term marketing plan. So the guys and gals who I've seen be most effective, plan ahead and stick to that plan. You know, I, I see a lot of advisors making that mistake of jumping around from shiny object to sh- shiny object, always thinking there's something better out there. I would say the advisors that are most effective really sit down, spend a lot of time creating a plan, doing their research as to what they think is going to be most effective, and then stick with that plan over the course of of some time. You know, Brad, you know, Kurt, that, that we work with over at White Glove. 
he is someone who hosted four events a month and he tracks all of his results and he averages a six to one return on his investments with the seminar. But that said, you know, even him, someone who's super skilled and has that six to one ROI from time to time, he does get skunked. So he realizes don't suddenly shift paths when one thing goes wrong, stick to that plan and over the long term, you are going to see results. And then finally, I would say the most successful advisors track their results. I love that. And let's let's deconstruct a couple of the things that you said here. Cause one thing that really stood out is, you know, that that shiny object mentality that advisors tend to gravitate to. And we've talked about this in the last couple of episodes. So I'm so glad that you brought it up as well as is sometimes it's easy to say, well, this works and this works and this works and I want to try that. And I want to try that. And ultimately, without all three of those steps, without that tracking, without sticking to a plan, you really don't know what works. You only know what works right away. You know, would you say that that seminars, you know, in general, even webinars now, you know, they seem to take a little bit longer to convert a prospect than than some other forms of marketing, let's say, or, you know, what is your experience as far as advisors that do seminars? How quickly do they see that six to one ROI like Curtis seeing? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say it varies between the advisors that I've worked with in the past. The advisors who have come to me with a lot of experience, they have the experience needed to quickly see the results, I would say. Now, advisors who are jumping in new to seminars, they probably will find that their first seminar may be their worst seminar. There are a lot of things that they'll pick up at that first seminar, a lot of mistakes that they'll likely make at that first seminar that they can work out over time. So they really can, you know, work out those kinks, make adjustments moving forward so that they do see better results in the future. And then it really is the compounding effects of all the seminars you've done because you might immediately see clients from one seminar But then over time, you're going to see clients from six months previously, a year previously. People are going to come to you as they have life events, and that might not be immediately after the event. Kurt in particular, he's a a great example of someone who stuck with it. His first year, he tracked his results. He had a three-to-one return on his investment. And year two, once he did work out those kinks, really identify some of the best practices that we coach to and implement those best practices practices, he saw that six to one return on his investment. And Brad, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think over time he's tracked his results in the four years that he's done seminars and he's at a 20 to one return on his investment. Is that accurate, Brad? 20 to one now with his data he's kept? Yeah. And what's interesting about him is, you know, he's looked at the seminars, he adapted to webinars, but really when, when he looks back at his event-based marketing, it's a, it's a nine to one ROI strictly from this person attended an event and immediately became a client. He got a nine to one ROI, but when he factors in the the nurturing campaigns, the, the referrals he's picking up from people that came to a seminar, referred somebody else, Hey, this guy really knows what he's talking about. When he really adds in all that mix, then he's actually seeing a 21 to one ROI, which is exactly what you you have to look at is where did that where's the fruit coming from well it's coming from that tree and how do you really optimize it as you have to have all those other channels what's really interesting too is you know you you said two points here that i just want to point out 
one, you said, you know, your first seminar might not be the best. You're going to make mistakes. It's not going to always be successful. And I think that that's something that advisors have to remember when they're looking at new virtual options, you know, whether it's direct having appointments via Zoom with a, with a prospect or whether it's having, you know, doing webinars or something like that, you know, we look back with these with these rose-colored glasses and say how great seminars used to be when those were our were only option. But we tend to forget that yeah, the first one you did though was awful, right? People got up and walked out, or you did the dollar bill opening and everybody hated it and couldn't believe you ripped up a dollar. You know, we, for <laughs> we <laughs> we forget those, you know, and all we focus on those. I've been doing seminars for ten years and now I have a six to one, eight to one, ten R one ROI, but when you do one webinar and it doesn't immediately knock it out of the park, you're like, wow, these just don't work. And they, they've given up, you know? So I, I think that's a really important point that you, that you said there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. And I think it's just really important that you stick to a plan. And I would encourage advisors to spend a lot of time looking at their options, researching their options. But when you did decide on something, give it some time and uh, lean into the people who have experience, lean into those people who can coach you to the best practices, who have had success themselves or coached other advisors into success and continue to implement those things that they are sure are working for other advisors. And I know you've helped just hundreds of advisors come up with effective marketing solutions, detailed very detailed. I've seen these plans, detailed year-long strategies. Let's let's walk through that process for a minute here. What are some of the first things you'd ask an advisor to come up with something that works for them? How do you how do you start building those marketing plans? Well, the first thing I really do is take some time to understand the advisor's goals. I have learned that every advisor is unique. So it's really never a one size fits all type of plan for these advisors. It's important that they know their production goals, what they'd like to do annually, and then how many clients they'll need to reach those goals. And the advisors who track their results can usually work this out pretty quickly. From previous experience, they'll be able to tell me exactly how many clients they need to see annually to reach their production goals. So once we have that, we can reverse engineer how many prospects they need to see monthly. And once we land on that number, how many prospects they need to see monthly to get the number of clients they need monthly to reach that annual goal, we'll go ahead and determine the number of marketing areas that we need to create for them, the number of topics we'll use in order to generate that number of prospects that we landed on, again, to help them reach that goal that they've identified for the year. I really like to understand the capacity the advisor has to see people because I want to make sure the advisor is maximizing the results. And what I mean by that is you may have a really ambitious advisor who says, I want to do six events a month and they book in six events a month and, and start running through these six events. But if they don't have the capacity to do the six events, they really are not maximizing the results. They need to make sure that they have the ability to work all the leads, the seminar attendees and the no-shows without just jumping to the next event. So I really like to have that conversation with them what support staff do they have on their team? Who's going to be handling the different things that need to be handled to make sure that they're not over committing because more activity doesn't 
always mean better results if you're not really focused on the key components to create that success following the seminar. So really like to know the capacity they have to see people. And like I said, each advisor is different. So one advisor might only have to host two events quarterly to reach their goals. While my largest producer at White Glove that I worked with, he would host up to 10 events monthly to reach his goals. So again, it's really all about just getting to know the advisor, getting to know the, the goals they have, the support staff they have, and creating a plan around those items. This podcast is brought to you by White Glove's Podcast Connect program a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. And one interesting that you, one interesting thing that you said is that the no-show contacts or following up with the leads after a seminar. And I, I think it's very easy to do math as an advisor. You take 40 registrations, 20 people a show, you book 10 appointments, you have five really great first appointments and two of those immediately become a client and now you're into a positive ROI space. Well, what do you do? Well, you, you book another seminar, right? And we get that mentality of just keep filling that funnel. But really for an advisor to pick up a client, anyone in a, any, anyone in a client gathering business, you really only have two options to pick up a client. One is to educate them to turn on a light bulb that says, oh, I need this. I need this help. I need the support. I need the service. I need this product. You can do that, you know, through, through marketing, through seminars, through webinars. You can turn that light bulb on for them. But there's also going to be those 38 other people that registered for that event that don't have that light bulb turned on that says, you know what, this isn't a pressing concern today for me that what you want to do is stay in front of them in a very educational, very value-add, very robust fashion so six months, a year, two years from now, when that light bulb turns on because of a life event, there's only one person they know to reach out to. And that's the guy that's been you know, communicating with them. Oh, I saw him teach on taxes and retirement. Oh, she sends me that wonderful newsletter with the, the article I read on Medicare a few months ago. You know, that advisor that can stay in front of those other 38, that's when you go from a eight to one event-based ROI to a 21 to one life cycle. ROI. And that's, that's something very important that, that you pointed out there, Natalie. And one thing I just want to understand a little bit further from your perspective is when you talked about getting the advisor's number, ideal number of prospects, they need X amount of clients. So they know that this is their closing percentage. That means they have to be in front of this many new households every single month. You know, and you said something about marketing areas and topics. Explain to me why that's important. Because I have a lot of advisors that say, I am great at giving a tax presentation and my best clients come from Bloomfield Hills. So can't we do 10 tax events a month in Bloomfield Hills? And I'll just talk to those people. Well, if they want to do 10 events in Bloomfield Hills over and over tax events, the reality is that area is going to begin to get saturated. So they won't achieve the results that they had hoped for if they try to continue to put the same marketing message in the same area multiple times a month and putting it in front of the same prospects. So definitely it's important to plan ahead. Again, you need to identify how many prospects you'd like to see total and 
decide where you're going to be able to pull those prospects from because the advisors who are looking to generate a lot of prospects won't be able to pull them all from one area or one topic. We have discovered that different topics attract different types of people, different marketing messages appeal to different people. So it's important that the advisor is open to marketing different topics, putting different messages out there, if it's important to them to see the number of people that they'd like to see. Because again, going back to what I said earlier, if you continue the same topic month after month in the same location, you will see your results begin to dwindle. Regardless of the marketing company that you're working with, the reality is if you're putting the same marketing message in front of the same people over and over again, fewer people will begin to respond. Now, if you mix up that marketing message and you put a social security message in front of people, then you put a taxes and retirement message in front of people, then you put an estate planning message in front of people, you will attract different people. You'll give that area a rest between the different campaigns and you will see that the results of people registering will be higher. I'd say the same thing about changing locations. I'd encourage advisors to be open to traveling a little bit outside of their bubble. You, of course, don't want to go too far from your office so that people are still willing to drive to your office, but there's definitely benefits to expanding that marketing area, expanding your reach, expanding the people who are seeing your message so you do have the ability to get in front of more people. It all, it all boils down to the choice the advisor wants to make. Do they want to be uncomfortable because they have to learn a new topic, because they have to go to a, a different venue, because they love this community center, they know they serve the best cookies and the, they allow bottles of water in there? You know, Do they want to be uncomfortable by stepping out of their, their zone there and learning a new topic, learning a new venue, doing something different? Or do they want to be uncomfortable because they have X amount of prospects they want to see and they're seeing diminishing returns on their, their marketing? And you're right. Any any marketing, if you keep sending it out over and over and over the same message, it's gonna the you're gonna have diminishing results. So I think that advisors just need to, when you're building out that plan, like you said, Natalie, just plan ahead where, you know what, let's put in different items, let's give areas a rest, let's let's try something new. What's really interesting is you, you talk to an advisor today and they would swear they never had this mentality, but you know, four or five years ago, White Glove, we primarily did social security events. And when we found the taxes and retirement topic was performing very, very well and bringing in a higher quality attendee, it was like pulling teeth to try to get advisors to do a taxes and retirement class. They did not want to do it because they just pushed back. I'm not a CPA. I don't want to talk about taxes. I don't have any desire to talk about taxes. I understand the pivot from social security to, to what I do in my day job. That's what I want to focus on. And now it's just the opposite. Now, 80% of the events we do, everyone only wants to talk about taxes because they learned it. They got good at it. They saw the quality. And now we're facing almost that same pulling of teeth because <laughs> we're yeah. seeing estate planning. We're seeing estate planning just kill it when it comes to you know, attendance, but also with the ideal prospect in that room. So you, advisors have to step out of their comfort zone sometimes if they want their marketing to stay successful. Right. And one more thing I would add to that, Brad, is the top advisors, you asked me what they have in common. Another thing I'd add to that is they understand 
the purpose of a seminar is to connect with people. So they're not in there thinking the purpose of a, a seminar is to educate on social security or educate on taxes or educate on estate planning. They understand the importance of education and, and providing that value, but they know the main reason they're doing these seminars is to form a connection with people. So you can form a connection with any topic. It's not a specific to a topic that allows you to connect. So Again, just going back to what we've said, if you want to see more people, you need to be open to trying different topics and you can have the ability to connect, to share your stories, to uh, engage people regardless of the topic you're presenting. And let's, let's just dive right into that. You know, as, as we're talking about seminars and, you know, I've heard you give coaching to some highly successful advisors and you're, you're educating them on seminar best practices, but let's talk about three you know, drop dead best tips for being an effective seminar presenter. What would you say those are? Three best tips. Well, okay. So the, the three things that I'd say are the tips that advisors have implemented and have had the biggest impact on their business would be one, have a strong power opening. We all know you only get about seven seconds to make a first impression. So you really don't want to waste that first impression with predictable pleasantries. You want to start with something that is going to get people to lean in, not lean back. So start with a story, get vulnerable right at the beginning. So people see you as someone just like them, an ordinary person. You want to really do something that's going to allow you to connect. So expanding on that a little bit, if you have someone there that can introduce you, I'd recommend that you let an assistant or a spouse introduce you. So when you get up again, you are jumping right into a story, something that's going to captivate these people, engage these people and get them leaning in. If you're not introducing, I'm sorry, if you are introducing yourself, still start with the story get people leaning in the first seven seconds after the story, come back to the predictable pleasantries and housekeeping. So really do something powerful in the beginning. That would be my first recommendation. And Brad, as you know, we have lots of ideas of uh, content advisor can use in their opening if they don't want to tell a personal story. Secondly, do things throughout the seminar that create connection and build trust. I'm sure you jumped over to this, Brad, because you know that this is one of my favorite things about seminars, the importance of building connection. Don't just spit out the data. If someone wanted data, they could Google that. They could go on the internet. They don't need you for data. You are there to simplify all the concepts. You are there to connect with people. So tell stories, things that make you connect, something as simple as using someone's names throughout the seminar. So as you're talking, looking out into the audience saying, hey, Brad, I had someone here who sat in your seat a few months ago and they came back to my office. Just using Brad's name can get that person engaged, get that person feeling connected to me. So definitely build connection and trust throughout the seminar. There's very small techniques you can use to get people uh, connected and trusting you. And then lastly, I would say, just like you started strong, you have to end the seminar strong. So ha have a strong power close. I personally love Frank Maselli's power close. I've seen so many advisors use this effectively. If you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to go to Frank Maselli's website and check out his resource vault. He does give that away free of charge to advisors. 
I really like it because it sets very clear expectations for the first appointment. It lets the people in the room know exactly what to expect from that first appointment. It gives them something to look forward to when they come into the first appointment. And it also overcomes any of objections that people may be sitting there thinking in their mind uh, without them having to raise their hand and, and say them to you. So I think it's really important to have that strong power opening build connection and trust throughout the seminar, and then have a strong power close. I love that. And if you guys noticed what she did there in her example, when she was talking about using someone's name, she used that embedding technique that we've talked about with Deidre on a, a previous podcast there where she addressed someone in the audience, but she, what she also did was telling a story, but also clearly outlining the tactical steps of the seminar. Oh, that person sat right there. Afterwards, they booked a meeting with me. We met in my office. This is what we talked about their lives was changed for the better by X, Y, and Z, right? Using that technique throughout the seminar, as well as, you know, Natalie's great point of using their name. That's all those little things that just pull that audience in, in closer to you. And so we talked a little bit about numbers. We talked a little bit about how to convert at a seminar, but part of a marketing plan has to be what you said originally is this, let's track the results. And what would you say, how do you do that? What do you track? How many seminars I do and how many clients I get? Like what, what other things should we be paying attention to if we're going to make a marketing plan and how does that affect making that plan successful? Yes. You know how much I love tracking and tables and <laughs> organizing the data. So this is a, a critical component and I love working with advisors who are tracking their data because it's not just there for you to take comfort in seeing it. It's there for you to really look at the data, identify where your best results are coming from and replicate those results. It's there because what you might find is that there's one small area that you're not performing as well as you'd like. And we've really discovered that it's it's a sum of small changes that have the, the biggest impact on the results. So let me walk you through what I recommend you track. And then we can talk about how you can really dig into this data and make adjustments. So specifically for seminars, I would track the number of seminars you're hosting per year, the number of households that you're getting on average per event, your average conversion to appointments. So how many people each seminar are raising their hand and saying they want to come in and meet with you, your sticky rate, so that's how many of those people who raise their hand actually show up in your office. Do you have any drop-off or are any all those appointments kept? Your closing rate, so how many people who sit in front of you in the office become clients? And lastly, your average client size. So like I said, once you have all this data, and not just from one seminar, I'd say from several seminars, really sit down and take a look at it. And like I said, we find that the smallest changes to different components here can have the biggest impact on your business. So as an example, Brad, I had an advisor who was holding a set of seminars each month and he was looking at his appointment request rate and it was at about 30%. So 30% of the people in the seminar were raising their hand saying they wanted to come back to his office. We worked with him to give him some techniques that he could use to increase that appointment request rate he had that increase by about 10%. So now he was having consistently 40% of the room book appointments with him rather than 30%. 
And that resulted in his annuity production jumping from 4.8 million annually to 6.4 million annually. So that is one minor change. It's not spending more money on marketing. It's not doing more seminars. It's not getting in front of more people. It's just making a minor adjustment that's having a really big impact on his production and his profits. So I would say once you've tracked all this data, really sit down and and take a look and see where can I make these minor improvements that are going to have a major impact on my business. Uh, And that's just one example. And, you know, I think there's still room for growth there for him going from a 30% appointment request rate to 40% appointment request rate. I think he can get that even higher. And as you can see, as he continues to get that appointment request rate slightly higher, it is going to have a, a big impact on his results. I love that. And I think what we've seen at, at White Glove, and I'm sure you've seen in your your history with advisors, Natalie, is that the most successful advisors or even the most improved advisors that see the most growth don't always necessarily do more things, right? It's not it's not always fill the funnel fuller. It's not always, well, I only got two appointments off that seminar. Let's do six seminars there so I can get 12 appointments. It's that mentality of being coachable. And the interesting thing about seminars and about marketing is a lot of those things are constantly changing. You know, White Glove on the back end, we monitor absolutely every single data point from reach to impressions to CPR to CPA to conversions to pre-appointment requests to we I mean we constantly are fighting those battles on behalf of the advisor to get optimal results but what's interesting is that some of that stuff is constantly evolving and other things like being likable being trustworthy showcasing your credibility in a warm way those things you know you might naturally feel like you're good at but with a little coaching and a little expertise, you know, you could be great at those things. And instead of 10 appointments, a seminar, you get 12. You know, Frank always used to say, and I love Frank Maselli, by the way, as well. I'm a big believer in him. He's got a great book, some great video tips. He was actually on the podcast as well. We should probably bring him back. But Frank would say when he was a producer and he did three, 4,000 seminars as an advisor, he said he would get 105% appointment request rate. And what that meant was everybody in the seminar, of course, got an appointment, but then he'd get calls the next day from, Hey, this is Mike. You know, I, I wasn't at your seminar, but my neighbor, John told me, you got to talk to this guy. He knows what he's doing. And it was a hundred percent exactly what you said, Natalie. It's not about data. It's not that he was out there teaching the most. It's that he hit those emotional aspects, the tactical aspects. He let people know that, Hey, he was here to help. And that's what increased his conversions on seminars. Absolutely. And I can't speak enough to that, Brad, or echo what you're saying again. It's not always more activity. It's really taking the time to analyze your data, find out where you can make those small improvements. And again, if if you don't know how to make those improvements, look to the people who can help you with that. You know, the coaches at White Glove, your coaches that you know from different components of your business, you need to look for people who can help you make those minor adjustments again, that will have a major impact on your production and your profits. And everything you said today was just so powerful, Natalie. And I, I love the, the plan. I've been writing this down here is, you know, you start with a plan. In that plan, you have 
you're, you're already looking at how to mix that up and how to have a rotation of topics, maybe a rotation of area, maybe a rotation of methods, you know, and then tracking your data so that when you have to adapt, because marketing is, is an art and a science, but when you have to adapt, you can make those decisions based off of data and take that shiny object mentality out of your, your marketing plan and say, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to stick to it because even the best seminar presenters, like you said, even the best seminar presenters are going to have a seminar where they get zero appointments. You know, nobody shows up. But hey, six months, eight months, 12 months from now, that same person might become a client if you stay on top of them. But, you know, to get back to the, the marketing plan. So you have that plan in place but be willing to adapt. But the only reason you should be adapting, the only reason you should be altering that plan, diving into is data-based decisions. And that has to be tracking your results and monitoring that in real time. Natalie, thank you so much for being on the show today. Awesome stuff, as always. If you could tell advisors listening today one key takeaway that they could start immediately implementing, because, I mean, we covered about a thousand things down here today that were all spot on. But if they had one key takeaway to start and how, what's that first step to creating an effective marketing plan? Yeah, so I would say really simply put and going back to what I initially said, Brad, you really have to be active and don't be afraid to look to those who have experiences in this area to help you improve. So uh, just get started. Find someone who can come alongside you and help you out and uh, get started and you'll see some success. And Brad, I really enjoyed being here with you today. It was great chatting and sharing some ideas. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show, Natalie. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. Thank you for listening to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of White Glove. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.